or Climb Marketing, and you're listening to the Crux Podcast. Hi, hello, welcome back to The Crux, the monthly podcast where we navigate through digital marketing strategies, trends, and success stories. I'm your host, David Olteen, and joining us for today's episode is Taylor Cauldron, our resident technical SEO wizard at Climb. Hey, David, thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So as of this recording in September 21, we are coming off summer in one of the most intense periods of Google search admin updates in some time. Between the long-awaited Google Core Web Vitals update, multiple spam-related updates, and multiple broad core algorithm updates, it has been a crazy summer for SEO algorithm updates. But that said, we thought we could unpack the specifics of some of these updates, but we thought it might be more helpful to discuss what are some of the ways on a long-term basis to kind of future-proof your website against these algorithm updates. There are a handful of evergreen tactics that can help to mitigate the impact of search algorithm updates so you don't have to brace for turbulence every time Google search liaison as a new post on Twitter about an algorithm update, right? So Taylor, first and foremost, when you think about algorithm updates, what are some of the ways where you can kind of mitigate the effects, right? Or adapt to the changes that we've seen in the past few years from, from Google in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I really like this approach of figuring out ways to not kind of live in fear of Google algorithm updates. Because I think when people are you know, checking, checking the industry news every morning, um, you know, anxiously, that's kind of the wrong way to, to approach being right. an SEO. It's overwhelming. Term. It is, it is. So I think, uh, you know, first of all, um, focus on the things that haven't ever changed. So what are those things? So obviously, you know, people have been saying content is king forever, but think <laughs> about that at a little bit of a deeper level. Um, so, you know, it's, it's high quality content that's actually useful for the viewer. Not content that's useful for you or your business. You know, when you're when you're kind of thinking about uh, not just the content architecture, but literally the text that's going to be on all those pages and everything like that, you need to think about what's going to be useful. Because if your content is legitimately useful, um, you know that is more than half the battle right there. Right. Um, the second most foundational thing is crawlability and indexability. Thankfully, if Google rolls out another algorithm update they're not going to do a worse job with crawlability and indexability. They're not going to have a harder time finding your content. So if you're in a good position with that right now, you can feel good about it in the future, but you should just make sure that all of your content can be crawled and can be indexed. Right. And I think what like good internal linking structure feeds a lot into that crawlability component, right? Where you really want to make sure crawlers are able to easily find and identify the various sections of your website. And I think a lot of times, like especially with algorithm updates, some of the more orphan content or buried content is what tends to just fall out of sight, right, on search engines. Oh, yeah. So I think that crawlability piece is a little bit trickier than indexability, which is generally just the flip of a switch, right? Uh, I mean, in, in theory, it's a flip of a switch as long as your content is housed in a format that Google will index. Right. <laughs> Google won't index right. every single file that exists <laughs> on the internet. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, so moving on from that, you know, this idea of being an actual authority and having actual brand awareness. So, you know, especially in the last couple of years, we've started thinking more and more about how our websites can appear authoritative and how they can sort of communicate expertise and trust. And that's important because even if you are trustworthy, you need to know how to communicate that. But stop for a minute and think about, you know, do you actually have a lot of expertise? Are you actually speaking from a position of authority? You know, is your company actually 
you know, operating in a trustworthy manner. And if so, that makes things a little bit easier because, you know, even if the way that Google uh, and, you know, Google's AI sort of perceives trustworthiness and expertise and authoritativeness over time changes, if you're coming at it already kind of having those as legitimate qualities about your business, you'll be in a good kind of starting position. Um, so think about that. Um, and then finally, I, and this might be the biggest thing is just don't get too fixated on small, but currently kind of hyped up details or strategies. You know, when you're viewing industry newsletters or blogs or something like that, obviously they want to make the latest thing seem very, very important. In my experience of doing SEO for, I mean, well over a decade now, it very rarely makes more than a marginal difference. You know, you really need to focus on kind of the bread and butter and while it's good to pay attention to things that are kind of happening in the news cycle, I would not make those kind of the focus of your SEO strategy because most often they either won't make a huge difference or they might get rolled back. Um, so yeah, just don't don't chase after the the latest and greatest. Uh, you know, stick with stick right. with the core concepts first. Right. Yeah, and I think all those points you've mentioned, right, they've been relatively consistent for over a decade right now, or at least a decade, right? So I, I think, you know, by focusing on those things that you know are going to be static, that you know Google has valued since, you know, their foundation, since the beginning, right, I think I think you're in a safe place doing so. But for me, the, the one thing I think that, that really helps when these algorithm updates hit and, you know, search rankings can be really volatile, it's really to me about, like, diversifying your strategy, right? A little bit like stock, like playing the stock market, right? You want to have a diverse number of pages that are ranking on, on Google well, right? And contributing quite a bit of organic traffic and really a diverse keyword strategy, right? Where you, where you have multiple keywords or queries that you're really depending on for organic traffic because what can really happen when you have just a single, you know, one major priority keyword or something like that, and there's a major algorithm update and it, and it takes you off of your top spot, right? Or your top three spots, um, it can be devastating, right, to your organic lead activity, to your organic traffic. And by not having like that diversification and having really the breadth of keywords and a breadth of pages that are performing really well on search engines, it can kind of result in disaster, right? And that's where folks, I think, are really left scratching their heads of how do we get back at this keyword? Do we have to totally modify this one page that we've depended on for so long to, to get us back in that place? And to me, it's really, it's all about like compounding organic traffic, right? And you do that by continuing to stand up great pages, continuing to stand up great content and making it keyword oriented to an extent. But to, to your point, it's really about satisfying users, right? And really answering valuable questions for users or, or answering valuable service demands for users. Um, so to me, like diversifying your keyword and content strategy is at the tops of one of the ways to kind of mitigate the effects of, of search algorithm updates. Because again, like putting all, all your chips in one basket, like, Good luck if, if you get knocked off on an algorithm update. You're going to be playing from behind. You're going to be trying to supplement it with paid search. Uh, it's going to be really messy, I think, trying to trying to recapture that organic traffic if you don't have that kind of diverse safety net to fall back on. Totally. And, and one thing I would add to that is, you know, diversify your content, but also diversify the types of content on your website. You know, don't be super reliant on, for instance, just videos or just PDF downloads or just interactive tools. You know, you kind of want to diversify between these. You know, text-based content generally is always going to perform well. You know, maybe sometimes long form will perform better than short or vice versa. That can kind of be your bread and butter. But if we're talking about content in a more broad sense, definitely don't stick with just one format or medium because you'll see a lot of fluctuation. 
Right. And I think that diversification even applies to like page templates too, right? Especially with like the recent Core Web Vitals update. If you just have a single page template and it is totally failing to meet the technical standards that Google's now setting, right? Like the entirety of your content is going to be dinged. Whereas if you have, you know, a few different, maybe some more text rich types of, of pages versus like some more image and multimedia heavy types of pages, I think you get that flexibility where at least some of your, your pages are hopefully more compliant with these new page speed requirements and some of the UX requirements. So I think even having kind of like a diverse array of, of how you're formatting content on your website as well can help with, with kind of, you know, a- avoiding any major devastating updates. But I mean, beyond that, I think while we're on the topic of, of page templates and, and content and text, I think one of the things that can really help to, especially in the more recent years, to help kind of adapt to these these recent algorithm updates is to really write in web-friendly formats, right? And really do your best to meet search intent. And by that, I mean, I mean, you know, using subheadings gratuitously, writing in, in ways on the web, right? People, I forget always the, the, the quotes they say about people's attention spans on the web, but it's something like they give you five seconds and they, they bolt, right, typically. Um, and I think by, by having, you know, more, you know, browser-friendly formats of, of text, right, not giving someone a massive paragraph or a massive wall of text to sift through, but instead giving them subheadings and bullets and, and you know, some of these more playful text features, where, where people can kind of sift and, and browse, you know, I guess a little more casually. Uh, that tends, I think, to promote kind of user behavior, tends to add value to your content and, and draw more eyes to your content. And I think Google also with like passage indexing and featured snippets and how popular those are becoming on search results, you know, using subheadings gratuitously allows you to get more placements and featured snippets or allows you to take advantage of passage indexing better. So I really would recommend folks try to, you know, write in user-friendly formats. You are not writing a dissertation. You're not writing a research paper. You're trying to capture someone's attention who is very scatterbrained. So I think writing in that web-friendly format can really help as well. Um, but beyond that, I mean, where else does your head go, Taylor? Um, you know, thinking about some of the updates that we've seen in the last year or so, you know, a lot of them have to do with spam. Um, and there's there's kind of multiple kinds of spam that happen. You know, one of the algorithm updates had to do with link spam. So people were kind of participating in shady practices like buying links, selling links, trading links, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that's always, I shouldn't say always been a no-no, but I mean, for the last 10 years or more, um, you know that you're not supposed to be doing it and Google is going to continue to kind of fight that. Um, similarly, there were two other spam-related updates that were going after Websites that were kind of tricking users into giving away personally identifiable information or, you know, kind of promoting and spreading malware. Um, So, you know, and it it seems obvious to say that, you know, you need to make sure that you're not participating in any of this. But sometimes that's actually easier said than done. You know, if you're managing an enormous website where there's, you know, multiple individuals or multiple teams kind of building out their own pages of, you know, their whole own sections of the website, you might not have a good sense of everything that everyone is doing. And if just one person builds one page out of millions, that's, you know, mishandling information or spreading malware, even accidentally, you know, maybe they have the best of intentions, that one shady page can bring you down. Um, so if you are, you know, kind of in an administrative role, so to speak, um, you know, over an enormous website, there's a lot of work to do just to make sure you're on top of not being shady or spammy. You know, it seems easy just to say, like, of course, we would never do that. But are you sure someone else in your organization wouldn't by accident? 
So you need to stay on top of that because I've seen very reputable websites taken down because of something like that. You know, someone had a virus on their computer and they were they uploaded something to the website. Google saw it. And yeah, that that can be enough to do some real harm. And it takes a while to recover from that sometimes. So just be careful with that. Right. And that's it. In this, on this note, you know, you still hear of folks that claim, and you see anecdotal evidence that like PBNs, private blog networks, right, and some of these link schemes like still work. And I don't doubt that there probably is short-term benefit, but for us, when we talk about like long-term future-proofing your website against these algorithm updates, right, you are putting yourself in so much danger by engaging like spammy networks of of links, right, or spammy PBNs um, that it just doesn't really justify the short-term benefit. One day you could be like discredited from Google altogether. Right. So for us, I think, you know, I still hear these success stories or these these instances where folks are still taking advantage of kind of like these gray hat link building tactics and maybe some of these spammier link building tactics. But but ultimately, like you are putting your website at risk. And for us, like, I don't know how I would convey to the client if I went that route, like, hey, you know, your website has disappeared from Google entirely. <laughs> like, thanks for your business. Goodbye. Right. Like, I don't even know where you go from there. What? You, you stand up a new domain for them? It's just not a, a valid long-term strategy. So I think folks still are kind of clinging to this, like, this link building schemes of the past. But in reality, I think it's a more dangerous time than ever because Google's calling them out and has been for years now that they're coming after like these types of websites with anti-spam measures and anti-spam updates. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, you're me, not smarter than Google. Yeah. If you do it, eventually Google right. will catch you. Like, <laughs> Google employs like Big some G. of the smartest we'll people G. in the world and dedicates, <laughs> I don't know, how many millions of dollars to solving these problems. Like you're not going to just outwit them on this one. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, we said it many times, but stop buying links or if you are buying links, make sure they're legitimate, right? And that they're relevant to yeah, your like a business, chamber of right? commerce link. And, yeah. Go for it. You know, right. Um, weird right. blog network, yeah. not so much. <laughs> right. Maybe avoid that. Uh, but beyond that, I think um, when you think about more like the technical foundation of your website, I think it's really important to, for these algorithm updates to focus on the user experience of your website, right? Google, especially with Core Web Vitals and that announcement, like they're taking more notice about your website's page speed, the ease of use on your website, kind of the stickiness and time on page and the benefit of all that. And they're doing that obviously through through their metrics like largest contentful paint, um, through cumulative layout shift, and these these metrics that are a little bit more focused on these UX, on like the user experience, right, and stability and security and kind of browsing satisfaction and those types of things. Um, but I think, you know, regardless of the specific metrics Google setting, you should really kind of have this like intrinsic motivation to just make your website easier to use for users, right? Or, or more engaging for users. And I think having kind of that continuous focus on, on UX really helps with that. Wouldn't you agree, Taylor? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we used to view these as separate disciplines, like, you know, user experience or even just web accessibility was was something entirely separate from SEO. But over time, we're going to see a merger just like we saw with, you know, thinking people used to think that content strategy was something different from SEO. And now, I mean, they go hand in hand. And so I think we're basically seeing the same thing happen with various user experience metrics um, and accessibility metrics, too. Right. Yes, I think folks have to be mindful, right? If they're bloating their website with plugins or, or tracking tags, like maybe reconsider adding that pop-up overlay on your content, right? Like I think I think Google's challenging people, especially with like cumulative layout shift, to be more mindful of like the kind of supplementary pop-ups or content on the page, right? And, and making sure that you're not overshadowing really the, the meat of your text, right? Or the meat of what's valuable to search engines with like 
dynamic ads, right, or with pop-ups or, or chatbot notices and that type of thing. Excessive so. animations, I will also add yeah. to that, add to that. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't yes. the 90s anymore. You can't have a Flash website. Even, I, even I if it's not actually years. running on Flash, there's a lot, of, a lot of websites that are trying to, I think, relive that era right now. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Geosites. Pour one out for Geosites. Um, but, I mean, what, what else would you say in addition to, to UX, Taylor? Yeah, so the, my, my biggest pet peeve, and I guess it's maybe more than a pet peeve, sometimes it's a, a straight-up roadblock, um, are websites that are running on a, an extremely dated or proprietary uh, content management system. So, you know, you might think to yourself, okay, well, our, our website runs on WordPress. You know, 40% of kind of the mainstream internet runs on WordPress. We're going to be fine. Okay, fair point. But if if your WordPress instance is from 2003, that's probably not going to work out very well when there's a major Google update and you quickly need to pivot. You know, the, the advantage to using a mainstream content management system is that they're under extreme amounts of pressure to not only anticipate, but to quickly respond to Google's algorithm updates. You know, if your WordPress you don't want to lose your user base. And so when there's a big algorithm update and your platform isn't really in alignment with it, you're gonna dedicate a lot of resources to getting in alignment with it. Now, if you're using a proprietary CMS, so maybe something that was developed at your company 15 years ago, does that pressure exist? No, the person who made it probably doesn't even work for you anymore. Um, And so you might just kind of be stuck. And so I would say, you know, one of the best ways to kind of future-proof your website against algorithm updates is use kind of an industry standard platform. Uh, You know, don't use something kind of homebrew because, you know, when something goes wrong, you might be stuck. You might not have the internal resources uh, to fix the problem. So, like, I mean, to, to make this all more tangible, you know, we've had clients that were unable to edit basic metadata fields. Um, on individual pages and the person who kind of designed their platform that way was long gone and so what do they do they they're just kind of stuck until they eventually get a brand new website Um, right so (laughs) you know i I would just start thinking long term in this way um, rather than just kind of relying on legacy systems because eventually it's it's gonna hurt your bottom line Right. And then it's not just the CMSs, right? It's any third-party plugins or modules you might have attached, right? Where we work so frequently in WordPress and, you know, a lot of times folks have plugins that are so dated that they're unable to update those without, you know, the appearance breaking on the front end or, or you know, something breaking as a result. Um, and similarly, like when you're updating WordPress, but your plugins are ancient, right? You're, they're probably not going to play nice together once one of those platforms is updated, right? Whether it's the plugin or the CMS itself. Um, so I think having those issues, right? Like, to your point, like you need agility when these algorithm updates hit, right? You need to be able to, to make updates if necessary, to respond. And when you don't have the like the flexibility in your CMS to do that, to, to easily edit content, right, in any field that you might have on your website, then that's a lot of times when folks run into trouble. But it's really drastic if, like, to your point, like you can't edit metadata, you can't edit like H1 titles or something like that. Like that's when it's really disastrous, I think, is when folks are so handcuffed by their CMS. But I, I think, like, on a on a more distant note, I think another thing people really need to consider when these algorithm updates hit hit as well is 
you need the ability to kind of supplement your search presence with probably some paid search ads, right? A lot of times these algorithm updates just don't go your way, right? We we have no control over what Google does. Sometimes, you know, they, they make what's seemingly questionable decisions where valuable websites or valuable information are pushed down. And even if that's the case, you know, I think you have to have the ability to respond, right? And you do that by having kind of paid search, paid search campaigns at the ready, right, for your really high priority keywords. And that means having both kind of paid search campaigns already already set up, you know, paid search landing pages and squeeze pages ready to go. Um, and having that, I think, gives you kind of the agility to, you know, if you lose that really high value keyword, you can you can really stand up a, a replacement, uh, at least a paid replacement, you know, with relative ease. And a lot of times when folks are really scrambling after these updates where they don't have this contingency plan in pace to nurture these high value keywords, that's, I think, where they lose some some lead time. They lose like leads over an extended period of time until they can really respond from a more organic standpoint. But I think really having that symbiotic relationship between SEO and SEM, understanding your organic strengths and what might needs to be supplemented with paid, you know, that can really help in, in anticipation of these these updates. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, Im- imagine you run an e-commerce store and it's, we'll say, uh, I don't know, it, it's sometime in November. So like the holiday shopping thing is in full swing. All of a sudden there's an algorithm update and you lose half your visibility. You know, you better have a backup plan ready. So, you know, knowing that you have paid search campaigns that you can flip on or you put more budget towards, knowing that you have landing pages built out for that or at least planned, uh, you know, that'll at least get you through kind of a, a tough era if you do get kind of, you know, dinged by an algorithm update. So, yeah, have a backup plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think ultimately when we think about these algorithm updates, especially Google's somewhat, you know, uh, turbulent algorithm updates as of late, like you kind of just have to roll with it and let chaos reign a little bit, right? Like (laughs) these updates are inevitable, right? We don't always know what's coming. Sometimes like core web vitals, they do kind of give us uh, some information to anticipate ahead of time. But you know, for the most part, like we just kind of have to roll with these as a result. And I think keep at a lot of the things we talked about, right? Like publishing new content and diversifying your content, like focusing on the things that, that always have mattered, right? Like high quality content and promoting crawlability and indexability and those types of things. But I, I think what's frustrating sometimes in this industry is that you see folks that are so frustrated about these, these routine algorithm updates. Um, and some of them, you know, some digital marketers suggest like, oh, let's give up on SEO entirely because it's too hard to keep <laughs> up with. But that's not the answer, especially in the B2B, you know, fields we operate in where organic search is generally more than half of traffic. But it's right. it, it's really these folks that I think that continue to publish great content that answer their question, their customers, you know, queries or, or concerns or questions, right? Those folks that are really focused on providing that good user experience and that good information for their customers. Those are the folks that I think just sometimes by happenstance, like do really well with organic search, despite maybe not having that really technical knowledge or that that really depth of content strategy knowledge. It's just the folks that I think try to provide valuable information and continue to do so over a period of time that that benefit, you know, on a long term basis from organic search. Like wouldn't you wouldn't you agree, Taylor? Totally. Totally. And I'd also say, and this might come off as SEO therapy more than anything else, (laughs) if you do get hit by an algorithm update, you might not have done anything wrong. Um, You know, if if an algorithm update rolls out and you lose, I mean, obviously, if you lose all your traffic, you did something wrong. But if you lose, (laughs) I don't know, 10 or 20 percent of your visibility or traffic, you know, take a moment to reflect on, you know, look at the websites that actually are doing better now after this algorithm update. 
what are they doing right? What are they doing maybe a little bit better than we are? And, you know, kind of take it in stride. You know, if you lose a bit of visibility, it doesn't necessarily mean that you kind of, you know, broke the law of Google or anything like that. Um, you know, especially when it comes to these kind of obscure core algorithm updates where Google doesn't say exactly what was changed. Uh, just learn to take it in stride, you know, expect, you know, moderate fluctuations with all of them and just keep on working on making, you know, your website and your content, you know, incrementally better over time. Right. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Yeah. It's big, it's big G's world. We're just living in it. Um, but I, I hope that was helpful for folks that have had a crazy summer with some of these these search algorithm updates. Um, that is going to be it for today's episode. Um, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to, to the Crux podcast on your favorite platform, we'd really appreciate it. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn if you want to check us check out Client Marketing and give us a like. Uh, we're always posting our latest podcasts, blog articles. Taylor's always building some some crazy SEO tools for you to check out. So, so we'd love if you could check us out on social media. But thanks so much for listening to the Crux. Until next time.